0: Well, good morning, everybody. Wow, I missed you all. It's so great to be back. Um, Wow, our trip was so fruitful. Um, There were so many people that repented. And I mean, really, God just broke into people's hearts and lives in a powerful way. I think like one church we went to, the pastor's wife was like, why did we find out so many things about the people in our church? You know, when you were here, because they just, hearts just opened wide and just, it was like an encounter weekend. Like everywhere we went, hours of praying after a service for people just lining up to just receive, you know, like ministry from the Lord. It was just powerful. I know that uh, this is a result of the prayer and the things that, you know, I know that I felt a lot of your prayers there from you here, and um, it was powerful. Um, so one of the greatest things that, um, that I, I received was I felt like I really received, um, a word from the Lord, like articulation for our community here as we were traveling and just praying, God just began to download some things. I, I, I had some great reads with me too, that I think I might've found a new favorite author besides Jesus in the Bible. But, um, but I'll tell you what, I really... One of the things, I'll break it down over the next, you know, coming weeks, but um, I just want to encourage everybody. I know that with the prayer and what God's been doing with the habitation, I know that um, I feel so strongly that God has given this to us as a gift to prepare us. And I want to encourage you to rekindle true devotion and fire before the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God. We need to rekindle the fire, the devotion, the genuine sense of sacrifice before the Lord where there is life-giving, dynamic exchange between us and God. And so, whatever you need to do to do that in your heart, making yourself available and ready to just connect with God. Remember, you can't, it's not something you're striving for, it's something you're dying for and making yourself available to, right? God is more than willing to pour out all over your life. It's usually our stuff that gets in the way. And so, and a lot of that is just learning to trust and coming because He is worthy. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. We don't do it because we get some encounter with God. We don't do it because of what we get from God. We do it because he's worthy. He is the shine, the brilliant one, the one that's the creator of heavens and the earth. He is worth coming before and giving our devotion and allegiance to. He gave his life for us on the cross. He shed his blood. He stripped the power of death off your life. He stripped the power of bondage off your life. So he's worthy. (laughs) Well, so I want to jump into the word. I I just have like, this is the very, 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 very preliminary word for what I feel like God's given me to share over the next few weeks. It's going to, I think it might be a, a series, Steve, Steve's like in the other room, probably going, Thank God. But I want to turn to John 1 1. And we know what Christmas is about, right? Christmas is about celebrating the birth of Jesus, right? But what does that mean? Because it certainly wasn't about a baby just coming in a manger and us saying, How cute that is. Turn to John 1 1. We're going to just look at the. The main point of this whole thing. John 1 one says. In the beginning was the word. Which is Jesus right. Capital W Jesus. He is the word. The living word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being. Through him. And apart from him. Not even one thing came into being. That has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. Now we read in John 3 a similar verse, an expansion of this, that says, And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Now, I want to stop there and just talk about what darkness is, because I think everyone just jumps to the fact that, oh, it's sin. It's Satan worship. But darkness is the result of no interaction from outside of humanity, right? So there's no transcending God way out there, which transcendent is just a fancy word for meaning that God is beyond humanity. That, you know, our human life, our human existence, it's not big enough, infinite enough to include a God that is before the beginning of time, who created us. He created all these things. That's called imminent. Transcendent is, he's beyond our human experience and our human capacity. That's pretty understandable, right? God is God. And so... This whole idea is that light came into the world and people love darkness rather than light. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit here. But we're going to keep going here. Verse 20 of John 3. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light so his deeds will not be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that the deeds will be revealed as having been performed in God. So here we have this whole idea that darkness is just a description of a place where things can be hidden. Right? And this idea of the light coming from above into the earth, this idea of the Son of God coming, in him was life. light was the light of men. And it came into this earth as the form of a baby. And that light shines. And some people don't receive the light because they like darkness. Why? Not because darkness is sin. God lives and cloaks himself in darkness. He's, he can live in anything. Light, darkness, anything. He is God. And the darkness just hides things. And the reason that people love darkness isn't necessarily because they love Satan. They just don't want their stuff exposed. Thanks, Wes. I know. I love you. Um, so then it, it continues on here. If we go back to John 1.1, 1, 1, the light shines in darkness. Darkness did not grasp it. Verse 6, a man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. Remember John the Baptist? Okay. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, capital L. This was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. And now he's, they're going to explain what is the capital L. We, we, we realize he's the word from the beginning of time. He came, he dwelt among us, right? This is what we're celebrating, the entry of the light onto this earth from heaven, This was the true light. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. Can you imagine? It would be like you having children, and you birthed them, and you raised them, and then they forgot that you were their parent. I mean, think about that. Some of you parents can say, wow, that would be super painful. Well, that is Christ. He birthed humanity. He created all things through him. And they didn't even know who he was. He came to visit them. He came to his own. He even came to his people. And his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him. To them he gave the right. To become children of God. To those who believe his name. Who were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God. So. We see here that the whole purpose of the light was not just to eliminate sin. It was far greater than that. Light came on earth. Jesus came as a child. God sent his son for something far greater than just stripping the power of and the, and the curse of sin and death off your life. He, he came to claim you as his children. To invite you into this amazing inheritance where you become sons and daughters of God. I don't know about you. Some people may be getting excited. But where did I come back to? Where have you guys gone? Hello, people of God. He gave the right. Like the right. Your right to become a child of God if you receive the light nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but from God. Now we read in John 3 about this guy named Nicodemus. And we're going to read that, John 3. Now there was a man, this is kind of developing. What does it mean to receive the light and become a child of the light? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. You've come from God as a teacher. Oh, Jesus this man came to Jesus and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come to God as a teacher for no one can do these signs that you do unless God's with them. So they acknowledge the virtue, the miracle power on Jesus life. And so Jesus responded and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? I mean, guys, listen. Like, forget about all your, like, being settled in as a Christian person. This story is absurd. I just want you to, like... Refresh your memory here and and hit it for the first time. There's a guy coming to him saying, Jesus says, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And Nicodemus says, how can that be possible, Rabbi? Do I have to climb back inside my mother and be born again? Is that even possible? A little bit. It's a little bit impossible. I mean, but I want you to get this. This isn't like, this is an absurd story. Like, there's, we understand. Some of you have had your eyes opened. You understand what it is to be born again. This man doesn't. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus, to be born again? And he says, truly, truly I say to you, unless someone is born of water, which is of the woman, And of the Spirit, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed at what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. But you don't know where it is coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. So we see from this that the work of the Spirit of God in the new birth is like the wind. It affects the world without being seen and without being controlled by us. This is key. Do you see like a a trend here? Like, to be born again is to have a process occur in your life that isn't generated from you. It's a supernatural work. We need a supernatural work from a supernatural God. We have to open our hearts up. He wants to shine his light. He wants to encounter your heart in a new way. Like, you cannot... Your your works and your approach and your pursuit of God is stale. It's lifeless. There's no effect from it. Nicodemus responded and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Now, that that alone should just blow us away. Like, think about this. Nicodemus was not some ignoramus. Nicodemus was a teacher of the nation of Israel. A specialist in the law. A specialist in the scripture. And this whole parable is making a huge point. And unfortunately... I think much of the church is in the same situation. They know everything about God, but they aren't in a dynamic relationship with him. And here Nicodemus is. He's a specialist in the law, and he could not understand what Jesus was trying to say. And my question is, how many of you are in this position where you have claimed to be a Christian for a long time? And if Christ showed up, you probably wouldn't understand what he was trying to communicate. In fact, he's probably trying to speak to you today and last week. And you can't quite understand. Because the only way to understand from a supernatural God is by the Spirit. And our whole culture surrounds us with a controllable environment and atmosphere where we can can create our own provision. We can be entrepreneurs and start business. And then we have enough money to eat. We don't have to pray and believe God for that. We can solve problems if we have a couple brain cells. We can, like, solve problems. Use those brain cells. Come up with solutions. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said... We speak of what we know and testify of what we've seen. And you people do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus is saying, I can't even speak to you in earthly terms and using earthly things to try to communicate to you. How can I tell you heavenly things? (laughs) Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And folks, I'm telling you, I believe we have come to a place with God where we have become so familiar with him That we have lost our hunger and our thirst and our pursuit. Because we think we got it all figured out. He's our little buddy that has his arm around us. Walking beside us. And that's all that's important. And even if he's not there, we can imagine it. Come to church. We understand the word. And we feel really good about that. But when's the last time... That you really connected with the virtue and the essence and the presence of God. It's not something you conjure up, right? It's not, it's, he's not a figment of our imagination. He's a real God that acts and speaks and intervenes in human affairs. He's as real as a person, could say more real. The light is shining. The problem is not darkness or evil deeds. The problem is our hearts. And the question is, do you want the light that is shining? Light has no problem vanquishing darkness. Jesus has no problem transforming human hearts. He like created us. (laughs) He has no problem transforming us. The question is, do we want it? Or do we want darkness? Many of us don't want to deal with stuff. And in darkness, this stuff is not seen. So you don't have to deal with it. You don't see it. That's why people like darkness. Messiness is not seen. Attitudes are not seen. Thoughts are not seen. Sin is not seen. Questions and criticisms aren't seen. Real truth and direction from God that is outside of our realm, outside of our will and preferences is not seen. You can stay in darkness And you don't have to see, you don't have to deal with things until some appointed time. Many of us don't want to be directed by someone else either. In darkness, without the light, we maintain control, seemingly control of our lives. We can make our own decisions, do what we want. We don't have to have anyone dictating or governing or guiding us or saying, this is what I want from your life. No, thank you. I'd like to stay in darkness. I'd like to control my own life. Right? I believe this is true for many who claim to be Christians. Remember Nicodemus, the teacher of the law, who did not understand because he had not received the light. Do you realize it's, it's possible to have a devotion to God? It's impossible to know the scriptures And not have a relationship with God? You might have a month ago or a week ago. How about today? Do you have a relationship with God? This light, this intervention from outside ourselves, or outside our self-made religion. You know, it's easy to make a self-made version of Christianity, right? You just throw the word in there some. Say a few prayers to the big guy in the sky. Right? Because intervention from outside yourself is fearful. It's disruptive. It's convicting. It's actually toxic to a reality where humans are in control. We want intervention from God when we need help. Like when we're sick or on our deathbed. We're facing some problem that's beyond our ability. Or when it's comforting to us. But not necessarily when we don't experience the need or when it's a disciplinary action or challenging, right? That's not cool. That's not fun. God gets in your case and says, um, I'm after something in you now. If you don't have that kind of like interaction with God, then that's like what a real relationship is. Where there's good times and there's some bad times where people get in your face and actually say, Hey, I have a problem with you. You're bothering me. That's a real healthy relationship. Well, that's what we should really want with God. How many of you really struggle when you feel like you have no control of a situation? Think about it. When you're in a situation and you, seriously, you have no control and you know it, maybe it's a business deal. Maybe it's a family relationship or some kind of situation. Maybe it's your health. Whatever it is, most of us know what it's like to be in a place where you're frustrated and sometimes even angry because you feel like you have no control. I mean, come on, are you there, human? (laughs) Humans, are you out there? Right, well, that is a great indicator... That you need to grow in genuine faith. And trust in God. The truth of the matter is. If we really trust and know God. Really trust him. And we are really walking in an intimate relationship. We shouldn't feel serious frustration and anger. Because things aren't going as we expect them to go. Oh, but Sean, that's crazy. Like you get some like terminal disease and you're not going to be frustrated about that. Well, let me ask you, is God really in control of all creation? I mean, we say this, we have a mental ascent to this stuff. But when it really comes into play, when you are faced with a circumstance that is beyond your control. And you see stress and and anxiety. And all kinds of things rise up. Folks it is an indication. You didn't trust God like you thought you did. Like real life tends to expose those frailties in our heart. This is all part of like a problem. That I'm just trying to expose here today. Is that. I really believe God's trying to prepare the church in a real, genuine, really authentic way to bring us to a place where we know God, we intimately walk in His presence, unshakable in His trust, and we can actually understand heavenly things because. We actually walk with God and we've learned to understand his word. We understand earthly things so we can understand heavenly things. And that when this great outpouring takes place, he's going to literally be able to use his people to do what he wants to do. Because we know what kingdom is being represented on this earth. Many of the church, I don't know if they even know what the kingdom of God is like. Isaiah 55 gives us some clear direction. And this is what I'm going to leave us with is this, this challenge out of Isaiah 55. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked abandon his way. Now, wait a minute. What? That's a challenge to me. Let the wicked abandon his way. I'm a good person. I'm not wicked. Definition of wickedness from a biblical standpoint is the opposite of righteousness. The basic idea of wickedness or evil is to be bad, worthless, corrupt, or anything that's opposing God and his will. So that means you can be wicked... If you don't know the will of God and you're not pursuing that from a biblical standpoint, because if it's equated to unrighteousness or the opposite of righteousness, who can be righteous? Not one, right? There's not one that can be righteous outside of God's presence and his power. So we don't have that operating in our life in a powerful way, then we are wicked. It's not the absence of evil. It's the absence of obedience to God walking and pursuing him and his presence. Oh, gosh, it's so quiet in here. The scriptures make it clear. It's impossible to make it to heaven. Remember last week when we read about the parable of the rich young ruler and Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible for man to receive eternal life and enter the kingdom of heaven. And his his disciples were so perplexed they're like, "But but master, we don't understand. It seems impossible to enter the kingdom of heaven." And he goes, "Exactly. But with God all things are possible." That is the key church. That's the key that with Christ everything becomes possible. Without him it is impossible. Yeah, that deserves a big clap to Jesus. I'll tell you. It says, let the wicked abandon his way. Okay, wickedness equals unrighteousness. Oh, but wait, I'm not unrighteous. Scripture says there's not one righteous in Romans 3.10. There's no righteous person, not one. There's no one who understands. This is Romans 3. There's no one who seeks out God. They've all turned aside. Together they've become corrupt. Remember the definition of wickedness is just corrupt. There's no one who does good. There's not even one. Their throat's an open grave. With their tongue they keep deceiving. The venom, and, the venom of the asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their past. And they have not known the way of peace there's no fear of god before their eyes let the wicked abandon his way let the wicked let the wicked abandon his way let the unrighteous do the same we must abandon our own way our own thoughts and return to the lord we focus so much on the wrong things it's like us looking For the right bus station when we're supposed to take an airplane. That's what I'm saying, folks. We are so, we're like, I gotta find the right bus station. And God's like, no, you're not taking a bus, you're taking an airplane. That's a different place, it's an airport. And the church is focusing on, they're focused so much on sin and what you shouldn't do and what you should do. Instead of turning to God and saying, Father, I need you, I need your presence, I need real essence, the life of God, the light of men. It says, let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. For my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and cause it to produce and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the purpose in which I sent it. Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power working in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. Amen. God desires to have a people for himself. This is what he's doing. He's trying to draw a people to himself. A family that he can father and care for. And lead in this new abundant way. He's preparing a people for one of the greatest moves in human history. These people must be sons and daughters. Not followers of some Dead religion. A family who knows his way, who knows his kingdom, is more familiar with the kingdom than the world we live in. People who can understand his wisdom, who can understand heavenly things. doesn't matter how much teaching you know and how much of the Bible you know. If it's not part of the way you live and express God's nature, you have missed it we need God we need his presence we need encounter and I want to challenge you to go back to the simple basic things go back to asking yourself have I lost my first love Am I caught up in all these Christian things and I've lost the first love? I've lost that sense of, of like desire for God that kind of flows out of this place of hungering and thirsting, wanting to know him genuinely. You're not trying to put something on. Some of you are frustrated because you don't necessarily experience a fresh encounter or a fresh outpouring or something like that. You don't, you don't have this stirring. And you may be in one of those seasons. And you know what you do in those seasons? You stop striving and you trust God. You come and you do what you're supposed to do out of a heart that says, You are worthy, Lord. I don't feel anything. You don't have to feel anything. You trust And trusting is, Lord, I'm coming because you're just worthy. I don't feel very good right now. I don't feel very spiritual. I feel like pretty discouraged. But I'm coming because you are worthy. You are worthy and I'm here to tell you how much I love you and appreciate you. And in this difficult season, I'm going to trust you because it's your nature. You are a good God and you care for me. And it's those valleys that draw roots deep into the ground of your faith where you are unshakable. And that is what God is doing in this season. He's causing people to become unshakable. People to be grounded in him. People who will look past all kinds of situations and all these other things and they'll have their trust in God. And this is is what... We're to remember at Christmas. We're to remember that this light came into the world. He is big enough, folks, to get us through anything we need to get through. But the church too long has been struggling and saying, you know, oh, woe is me. This is miserable. This is terrible. Life is so hard. I've been in in my stuff, whether it be like addiction or dysfunction or whatever. My struggles, I've been in forever. Folks, like we serve a living God. We serve a living God. Stop striving and trust. (laughs) We need life, we need His presence. I just want to have a chance to just receive from God this morning. And I hope you heard me. I'm not saying that difficult, dry seasons aren't from God because they are. He's trying to get you to just trust Him regardless of what you experience, trust Him regardless of what you're going through, trust Him because He's good, trust Him because He's faithful. And weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And folks, joy is coming. Let God press you with his wine press and let him cause joy to come out. You know what comes from wine presses, right? Wine. New wine. Wine. Come on, let's respond to God this morning. Lord, if it's one thing we seek this week of Christmas, it's that we would receive fresh light. Fresh life, Lord. I pray you pour it out upon the people of God. I pray you rekindle fire in hearts. I pray you rekindle, even during their sleep, that the word of God would keep them. And when they wake You'd speak to them, Lord God. I thank you. You aren't some dead idol. That you are alive and you are well. And you are a God who intervenes in human affairs. You act. You speak. You have a personality. You have a nature that is expressed. You are not fickle. You don't change. You're unchanging. You know all things. And Father, I pray right now, you know every single person here. You know every single thing that they are dealing with. You know them inside and out. And Father, I pray you continue the work you started in their hearts, in their minds. Lord, I pray for grace to be upon them. Lord, I pray for your people to become stable and strong that regardless if there's revival or whether there's war taking place, their hearts are established on you, unwavering, unshaken. They are people who put their trust in you and see what the world does not see. Father, I pray you raise up a church of supernatural followers who have discernment and insight and understand your word And understand how to apply it to each situation, Father. Oh, Lord, strip away every bit of self-centeredness and pride. Lord, pray that you would strip humanism from us. And you'd become the center of it all. Jesus, the burning one. Jesus, the the center of all existence. The gravitational pull of all things, all creation. Father, I pray for your power and your presence to just begin to spill out in each heart. Strengthen people, Father God. I pray you break off every assignment Every distraction that tries to pull people in other directions this Christmas. I pray for stability and peace to be upon your people, your house. Lord, let your nature be spilled out. Let it catch us that we are caught in awe and wonder at how amazing you are. Let it be expressed in our relationships, in our times with our family, Lord God, I pray. You alone, Lord, are worthy. You alone are magnificent, full of splendor and glory and honor and praise. Come on, folks, can we stand? Can we just, can we stand and just begin to give him honor? Start talking to God. You know, if you're here today and you've, as I was talking, God just, whispered in your ear and whispered in your heart whatever that is just respond to him just I dare you I double dog dare you I dare you to just say Lord reveal yourself in a greater way to me Lord take my heart take my life